Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. We just celebrated Memorial Day weekend, which officially kicks off the summer. And what's one thing that you think about when you think of summer? That's right, movie blockbusters. And today we'll be talking about one of my favorite summer blockbusters of all time, 1993's Jurassic Park, which will be celebrating its 30th anniversary in June. But before we bring in today's guest, Ty Self, to talk about this film, I had to bring attention to another milestone. The Movies Are Life podcast is celebrating its one-year anniversary this week. I really can't believe it. When I started this podcast, I told myself that I would give it a year, then analyze to see how it was doing. I always like to set big goals for myself, but I never thought that we would have recorded over 40 hours of content with 37 different guests this past year. Although doing this podcast has been a lot of work, it truly has been a lot of fun also. I've been able to talk about one of the things that I love most with some of my closest friends. Plus, I've learned more about my guests and my friends, which is the whole point of this podcast, and why I love the conversations that are created around movies. Like a one-year-old who's in the early stages of walking, I'm still learning a lot and open to molding this podcast to being the best version that it can be. And that starts with you, uh, the listeners. I, I really appreciate your support and feedback from this past year. Uh, you are the backbone that keeps this going. I'm excited to see what the next year holds, and I'm totally open to bending and molding this podcast to what my listeners want to hear. So please don't hesitate to give me feedback at moviesarelifepod at gmail.com or message us on all the social media platforms. And as always, please continue to share the podcast with your friends and family. Word of mouth is the best form of marketing, and your support means the world to me. Okay, with all that said, let's hop on a helicopter to travel to Jurassic Park. To Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Hey Ty, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Nathan. I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, like some other past guests, uh, I know Ty through our connection with the why. That's that's the best way <laughs> to say it. And although we've talked about a lot of things, I don't think we've ever really talked a whole lot about movies. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would think that's fair to say. I know Nathan through his wife, Whitney, who you all have heard many times on the podcast. And so uh, just seeing Nathan at events and when Nathan had an awesome chance to work for the why, but never, never talked about movies. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, uh, I don't know if we've actually probably really sat across each other and folk had to focus conversations, usually like moving tables or <laughs> uh, packing things, do things to that nature. <laughs> yeah. I think that's definitely fair to say as well. Oh yeah. Always doing stuff. Uh, always working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so before we talk about today's film, I'm just going to give a little background on it in case somehow Someone isn't familiar uh, with this treasure of a film, but Jurassic Park is a 1993 American science fiction film directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Richard Attenborough. It is the first installment in the Jurassic Park franchise and based on the 1990 novel of the same name by Michael Crichton. The film is set on a fictional island located off of Central America's Pacific coast near Costa Rica, where a wealthy businessman named John Hammond and a team of genetic scientists have created a wildlife park full of dinosaurs. When industrial sabotage leads to a catastrophic shutdown of the park's power facilities and security precautions, 
a small group of visitors, including Hammond's grandchildren, struggled to survive and escape the island. Jurassic Park premiered on June 9, 1993. It went on to gross over $914 million worldwide in its original theatrical run, becoming the highest grossing film ever at the time, surpassing Spielberg's own E.T. Following its 20th anniversary re-release in 2013, Jurassic Park became the oldest film in history to surpass $1 billion in ticket sales and the 17th overall. The film won over 20 awards, including three Academy Awards for its technical achievements in visual effects and sound design. The film was followed by five sequels, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, and then some people say the new set of trilogy <laughs> movies, Jurassic World, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and Jurassic World Dominion. So that was a mouthful. But uh, Ty, uh, I was wondering, what year were you born? So I was born in 1992, one year before the release of the original movie okay so that's that's what i was curious about because this was definitely you know 93 i was i guess i was uh, about 12 years old or so and so this was like very like i mean almost anybody you talk to uh who who was my age around this time this movie was a big deal so you remember when you saw it and all that so uh when do you when do you remember first seeing this film yeah, so I grew up in the age of VHS, uh, was probably the last generation, last age to grow up uh, with the VHS. And so I distinctly remember having Jurassic Park uh, from the earliest memories of cognition that I have, uh, putting it in the VCR, you know, throwing it on, throwing it on TV, uh, rewinding it from the last hundred times I've watched it. Probably, you know, I would say about six, seven years old. So that's going to put it about 1998 probably about 97, 98 when I watched it for the first time uh, and the countless, you know, thousands of times since then, but you know, probably definitely uh, pre 2000 before uh, getting that first experience with it. Uh, this is a pretty intense film to see <laughs> when you were six or seven. Oh yeah. So I feel like a lot of uh, people, you know, a lot of kids my age were kind of into this movie though. I think this movie was one of those ones that, you know, despite the rating uh, kind of did transcend all, all ages, uh, you know, with its relevance towards dinosaurs, you know, of course kids love dinosaurs uh, and it's like intro to archeology, span you know, sparked up basically a huge boom in archeological studies uh, and paleontological studies through all the, all the bones and all the cool stuff. And so I think this movie did an excellent job kind of transcending that age appropriate, you know, rating barrier that was going on at the time i was raised by my grandma and to be honest grandma had no idea what the rating on, <laughs> on the vhs meant she had no clue at all so i i don't even remember to be honest who purchased it for me i don't remember picking it out so i'm sure that an adult or someone bought it for me at that young age and i uh, thought it was an awesome movie to watch and i would agree <laughs> what had a bigger uh, impact uh, on people going into the field of studying dinosaurs was it this movie or was it ross geller from friends <laughs> i no. i see i am a i'm one of those random people who is not a friends enthusiast or a friends enjoyer at all i have seen friends uh, much of it and so i i'm not gonna pack the friends side of this one at all but please to my listeners if you're a friends fan do not uh unsubscribe to this podcast because of ty's uh, uh beliefs in friends <laughs> yeah i've got some hot takes and i know that's always a fun one i won't mention my aversion to the office or some of those other popular shows but you know yeah so, hey, i'm my own person <laughs> <laughs> so give or take like how many times do you think you've seen this movie 
Oh, I I was tr- honestly thinking of this earlier. I figured you would ask this, and I, I I would say you know, probably in the in the 500 range. If I had to like <laughs> estimate over, and I'm not even like you know about the 500 range. Uh, those of us from the VCR era know that your movie collection might be very limited, and so you might watch that same you know day <laughs> after day for a week and just throw it on rewind got to be kind rewind uh throw it on and put it back in and probably just let it go because back then there wasn't any streaming services things like that so you just watch what you had i watched that plenty of times for sure right it's it's almost like uh in writing my review for this movie uh it it almost doesn't seem fair because of how many times i've seen this movie it's so ingrained in my memory and like you i i couldn't even begin to give it a number uh it's just i, I even remember you know so i was in probably junior high or so when it originally came out i even remember like in high school they were still showing this movie like on movie days like why this movie was like shown in our science class you know <laughs> it's, a, it's quite a stretch you know but i mean it, it's just you know, like youth trips, like if you took a long bus trip, it was a movie that, you know, they played on the screen, you know, like, yeah, it's so it's really, I, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about this movie, just because I love it so much. I just, I, it's just pure entertainment to me. And uh, I mean, obviously, Spielberg is just one of the best you know, living directors we've ever had. And so um, you can just sense like his fun uh, with this story as well. Oh yeah. I think it comes through a lot and, you know, uh, Spielberg's connection to, you know, Michael Crichton and himself, the, one of the only things in preparation I had written down, you know, I rewatched, rewatched it this weekend a couple of times, but one of the only things I wrote down that I wanted to be a hundred percent sure I mentioned was like a huge shout out to Michael Crichton, you know, Michael Crichton, he was a, a wonderful science fiction author. You know, I, not only enjoyed Jurassic Park, I enjoyed Jurassic World, Sphere, Congo, uh, so much of what he wrote. He is he was gone too soon from the planet, I believe. Yeah, uh, uh, gone too soon. Uh, but his his impact and not only uh, science fiction itself, and you know the forethought he put into his things, but everything that he had going with Spielberg and their connection, uh, I think it just led to such a great, fantastic film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He passed away in 2008 and I, I'm not even someone, I, I'm not a big science person. That was probably the subject I did the worst in, in school. Uh, but because of this movie, I know I read this book several times and then I read a couple of his other books as well, like sphere and Congo uh, and even some more. And even, I mean, if you read those books, I mean, they get really deep into the science uh, of it all, but they're also probably uh, like, even though people might think this film is kind of intense, like some of the scenes and the goriness. And I remember in that book were pretty extreme. I think if my parents knew <laughs> exactly all the details at the time when I was reading it, <laughs> they wouldn't have let me read it. But uh yeah, no, definitely. And it's um, it, it, it's kind of fun to know that he was brought in to write this script uh, because it, it basically, you know, just someone who's personal to it, you know, he he I'm sure he had to make some amendments to it and all to fit the screen or whatever like that. But uh, like I mentioned about Spielberg, you just can tell everybody involved here knows. I don't know. You just have a sense that they know that something special is going on. Yeah, I feel like it was uh, prime in the gold in his golden age. You know, not too far after ET, 
uh, when Sp- he was just creating everything you made was a hit at that time. And what kind of put him in the household name status. And uh, I think this film did a huge job kind of to the effect of uh, Avatar for James Cameron, Titanic for Cameron. Uh, this was one of, you know, Spielberg's ultimates, you know, all times just uh, untouched, you know, classic. And so, you know, I know you said at the very beginning that unfortunately there's a lot of people who probably haven't seen this movie. And so hopefully this is an encouragement to go back and rewatch or to watch for the first time because, you know, Spielberg really does such a fantastic job. Uh, and the addition of having Michael Crichton help with the screenwriting was fantastic. Watching this, uh, this time around, it had been a little while, but it's, it, it's still impressive. I think how well, the special effects hold up in this movie. Um, you can still, you can see now, I think, especially in our big HD TV world that, that you know, uh, some of them are, you know, uh, you can, a little dated, but honestly, I've seen some other movies as late that, uh, I, this movie still looks better than they did. And I think it's because they they're blending that world of special effects with the animatronics of the dinosaurs, you know? So I think if, like I showed this to my daughters and they had no concept of when this was made. I think honestly, they would, uh, they would think this was just a modern movie that's come out uh, just like recently in the theater. That's a fact until they see Laura Dern's hairstyle. And then they're like, I've never seen anything <laughs> that beautiful in my entire life. And how do we replicate that? Uh, no, I think that's yeah, spot on. <laughs> I watched the movie on my, so uh, last Christmas, Christmas gift to myself, get that new Xbox. I've uh, got that, you know, pretty good TV. And so this was probably my first watch on this on this pretty high definition setup. And I found the same thing to be true. It was amazing how obviously you can pick and find things if you're really looking, uh, you know, with such high definition quality, you can find things and find little things. But for what they did at the time, it was groundbreaking. It was nothing short of just kind of crazy with the huge animatronics and integrating that into uh, basically making it the movie was i i can't i can't think of another movie that holds up you know quite as well when it comes to some of those big things like visual effects sound and things i can't think of a lot of movies like jurassic park that hold up the test of time yeah and i I think what plays into that a lot is spielberg's he's masterful at uh, it's almost like the hitchcock school of filmmaking of you know, teasing and not showing the creature. I mean, you can go back all all the way to his, you know, mm. one of his first movies of Jaws and that it takes so long mm. to actually see the shark. And he plays with a lot of that aspect here. You can tell in those scenes, you know, it's a little bit more animatronic type of things, right? You see like a close-up of an eyeball or, you know, just the, a claw or, or just whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I was reading somewhere, I think the total time that dinosaurs are shown in this film is just a total of 15 minutes. Even and so I, I think in our brains we would probably think it was a lot more than that. I'd be interested if that number was compared to like some of the current films, like the Jurassic World movies, where I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure the dinosaurs you know take up a pretty good amount of space in that thing. And so I think it kind of almost helps with the connection of believing that these things actually actually exist because we have built up the suspense in our own head of like, Oh, what do they look like? What, you know, that sort of thing. And so when they, do, they do appear, I think it's that much more impactful. Yeah. Especially with, I mean, even going back to the scenes of like, uh, as soon as they start the the ride right after the giant doors, the Dilophosaurus doesn't show up. And then the T-Rex doesn't show up and kind of building that suspense that he builds that within the movie in itself. 
Uh, and then when you do get those little glimpses, you know, the first eye or the first, the claws raking across, uh, those are so much more impactful because it's like all the buildup he's got, he's set up to get to that one, you know, one little scene where he's just, you know, putting in your head, okay, there is a, there's a dangerous, you know, uh, I think the scene that stands out most to me with that is uh, when they're making the the break to the shed with the Raptors trying to get through the uh, go start the electricity. Uh, you never really see the full Raptor until it jumps on him and attacks him. And you just see little pieces and he's hunting her and uh, Dr. Sallers trying to get to the the, the shed. And like they, he just uses all of those things that so well, so well. Oh yeah, um, and you you were missing uh, Laura Laura Dern uh, earlier, <laughs> and um, you know uh, it's funny. A lot, uh, probably the main the ensemble of these actors here, it, like especially as young as I was, it was probably like my first introduction to them. I, I know this is probably the first thing that I saw Jeff Goldblum in, um, and definitely Laura Dern and Sam Neill and stuff like that. And so even though these actors had existed, uh, had done other stuff before, I mean, I think this is really probably where they like really crossed over, but, um, I think everybody is really cast well here and very memorable. I think in this type of movie, it's not a movie star, perform it's not uh requiring that if that makes sense like the new jurassic world movies is very much like jurassic world star chris, chris pratt. pratt you know and this one it's not so much you know jurassic world starring sam neill you know <laughs> um and so but they they're they're very good in their their roles but i think because the story is the main focus i think that's uh th that's why this works so well yeah, and I think what you alluded to is a key point in why like purists like me uh, really do appreciate the original movie and dare I say the even uh, the sequel in the trilogy uh, as opposed to some of the newer ones. Because like you said, uh, if it didn't have, you know, Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, you know, big names like that, people who are who are really recognizable, uh, the old movies, they just had a cast of reliable really you know mid well-known people uh they put them all together and they just they fed off each other and you know like with jeff goldblum uh laura dern and sam neill just creating that little golden trinity of of just 90s style coming out straight out the front of the 90s and uh making that such a fantastic movie just bouncing off each other instead of just having one lead or two you know dynamic leads but really you know getting a, a good part of everybody's story i know this movie is about dinosaurs and the attacks and stuff like that. But I think it's still, I mean, even this was made in 93. I, I, I still think the themes of this and just like corporations and, you know, how they, how people sell things to us is, is still very relevant today. Yeah. I think the science uh, played a huge part in me when I was young of probably watching this movie just led to my joy of science. Uh, things like uh, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter watching uh, anything animal related, uh, kind of come from the science. Like you said earlier, in the books, uh, Crichton always did such an excellent job of going so crazy in depth into the, the deep parts of the science and how the corporations were involved and all the political backings and kind of things like that, that, you know, because of time constraints and explanations, you know, we don't really get a lot of in, in the movie. Uh, but I thought Jurassic Park itself did a, a really good job at uh, integrating that science in some of those really memorable scenes, like when they get on the little tram ride that's spinning in a circle uh, with the raptor eggs turning, the introduction of Dr. Wu. Um, obviously, when they were hitting the science parts of that and just kind of uh, you see the uh, the engineering room with like Biogen and you start to kind of, uh, you know, with Dotson playing the corporate sabotage role, uh, kind of get some of that thrown in. 
And so that that's that's that extra more than blood and gore, more than uh, just, you know, jump scares. That's that extra thoughts that are in there that I think really keeps us hooked for so long. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, if this was like first you love science like as i mentioned <laughs> not my favorite thing but the way they frame this you know and they kind of do the cartoon explanation or whatever like that when they're in that room you know they do a good job of because it plays a big part into the story but they do <laughs> they do a great job of summing it up for uh maybe those who can't like follow uh as well and then even along with just some of the uh technology that's in here um like it makes sense for the park to have these vehicles that are you know electric you know not gas powered and obviously that that plays into the plot <laughs> of like when you know the dinosaurs start getting loose and stuff and the things that they can or can't do and uh so i, I like that too because it plays into the technology science of just the story but also they use a lot of those to play off of the actual events that occur yeah, with Lex is jumping in the uh, the electric vehicle for the first time, and I, I when I watched it this weekend, that st stood out to me. Is I don't remember from my childhood touchscreens. I don't remember touchscreens being a thing until like cell phones. I don't ever remember using a touchscreen. But this was ninety two, you know, and she ninety three when it came out, and she was jumping in this, and she was like, "It's got touchscreen, like you can pull up the dinosaurs and everything." I I was like, I don't remember touchscreens until the two thousands. Like he was already he was already there. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I don't want to go like beat by beat by this movie because I think a lot of people have seen it and are very familiar with it. But just a couple things that just uh, really stand out to me. One is, well, why does Spielberg like torturing kids so much in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> these poor, these poor the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, the the Spielberg's appeal to the human in all of us to get, once again, like you said, deeper than the, the gore or the jump scares. Uh, there's not a lot of crazy gore, crazy blood in the movie uh, for some of those scenes that we see. Uh, but he, he really does have this thing for kids. Uh, you know, Tim getting electrified on the fence. Uh, the, the best, you know, terrifying scene as a kid, nightmare scene of the kitchen, yes. of the kids in the kitchen with the raptors. You know, like he, he really, and that's why I think this movie did once again such a great job at transcending those rating barriers is because his focus on kids and not, you know, he never went too far. He never went, what I would say, you know, was, too far inappropriate for other kids to see he just did just enough to put that fear into you as another kid and uh kind of make that connection so i i do think he uh he he did that so purposefully and so masterfully <laughs> uh, oh yeah and i i want to give out a shout to lex uh played by ariana richards as the young uh the young teenage girl uh she hasn't done a lot of things since then but i think she plays I, I truly believe she is terrified. And um, I, I think you work with a lot of teens, you know, Hallie is 12 right now. I kind of imagined almost like one of them in these scenarios. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly how they would react. And like, I really, uh, her and the actor that played Tim, uh, Joseph Mazzello, I guess that's how you say his name. Uh, I, I think, I, I think their performances are low key underrated because you know, like we just mentioned, a lot of things happen to them. And I think they're kind of the crux to a lot of the emotional beats of all the other characters. And I think without these like nuanced performances, uh, I don't think this uh, movie would have been as good. 
Absolutely. You throw Sam Neill right into the dad role. Mm-hmm. You, get, you, you play, you put right, at, you know, into the hearts of all the dads in America back in the nineties when they're seeing this and they're like, Oh, if my kids were uh, in danger from dinosaurs, I'm going to go to these extreme links too. And I think we all remember, you know, how we're like, why is she shining this giant flashlight outside and pointing it at this large Tyrannosaurus Rex? And that's just something a 12 year old would do. Uh, that's, and then the iconic scream, uh, when she makes eye contact with the T-Rex and he puts her, Dr. Grip puts his hand over her mouth. Uh, she really, she, well, I, I appreciate that shout out. I think uh, that's uh, hitting the nail on the head. Them two really do bring home the emotional connection to a lot of people in that movie. Yeah. And I also, another shout out, I think is Martin Ferrero who plays the lawyer in this movie. Mm-hmm. I just think his character is tremendous in this movie. <laughs> so, I mean, if anything, if you probably ask someone off the street, you know, like one's the, what is one of the most memorable scenes? I think they would say the kitchen one. I think n- number two, or it could be number one, is the lawyer getting eaten off the toilet. That has to be up there. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, not too long after we're introduced to the T-Rex and he thinks that, you know, he can run into this little straw looking shack and uh, sit on the toilet and avoid this giant, you know, beast of nature. It's yeah. just, it was, it's like that dark comedic bit just right uh-huh. there, right? As he just gets chomped. Yeah. And I just, I love the, the flip of like how he just, when he gets there, he's just talking about how things, you know, how expensive everything is. And I don't know if the board will like this. And, you know, I had the ultimate say, as soon as he sees the dinosaurs, he just flips and goes like, okay, we can make so much money off of this. And this, and this. <laughs> I, I just love, I love his shift. That's probably the most realistic uh, character turn ever in a movie. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, he, he did an excellent job. I think he's a, you know, great actor to play that part. It was, it was believable. Uh, I think we've all probably had some experience with quote unquote corporate greed uh, and lawyers or, or, you know, from what we've seen in shows or from those we know. And so he was a really interesting representation of all that rap into into one and then you know the dramatic irony of the corporate greedy lawyer getting you know eaten yeah um is are there any uh quotes that you ever pull from from this movie and say in your oh, everyday man. what oh yeah i mean yeah, that's yeah. a great shout out to jeff goldblum and chaos it's all chaos uh, you know like you said earlier i work with teens uh and sometimes <laughs> things just evolve into chaos and so i will i've i've put a slide of him on one of my powerpoints before you know, of him saying chaos, you know, and chaos theory. Uh, I think he, he was such a memorable character uh, when it comes to like his personality. And uh, a lot of people have, you know, say what they might about the sequel. Uh, but he, his portrayal, even in the sequel, was great. Uh, Jeff Goldblum just kind of cementing his folklore, his little status in uh, cult fiction. He, he did a great job. Uh, we have a T-Rex. I think that every time i see something crazy when uh dr grant's like you have a t-rex and hammond's like we have a t-rex <laughs> he's like that's what i think anytime like i run into a situation that's like so far beyond my comprehension you know, something just catches me off guard i'll catch myself thinking i'll be like i got a t-rex like uh yeah there's yeah. a whole lot of i mean that movie could be quoted for days uh <laughs> like six foot turkey uh when the chubby little kid is talking in the very very <laughs> first the intro he's like that doesn't look scary it looks like a six foot turkey and then uh we all remember dr grant just putting him in his little uh scary place there once again spielberg shout out to uh torturing kids no kidding and by the way where did that kid come from 
that I yeah, who why was he there? Does his parents like didn't have child care for the day? And they're like, let's bring our strange little child to a dig dig site and let him talk to the guy who's in charge. I don't yeah, I don't know where he came from. I've always thought the same. Yeah. Um yeah, uh it probably I don't know if other people said this, but I mean I think the opening scene is very, very effective. But I just remember me and my friends always just going, shoot ha. Shoot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, I mean, one of Samuel L. Jackson's, you know, one of his earliest roles. Hold on to your butts. I, I think probably we've said that still, and our kids look at it and it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, but um, I, I, I mentioned about uh, where, like, where that one kid came from. And another kind of just it's something I never thought of before, but probably I got to think a little deeper about this movie than I normally do. But where where are all the other workers on this park? Do they make reference to like where they went? You know, like all the scientists. Like I would assume this is like a remote island, so they probably live on the island. Uh, that was one thing I just couldn't help but think about the whole time. Yeah, though, what I can think about that is they always, uh, you know, we meet the young man who is the field uh, with the triceratops. We're introduced yes. to that that character. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a game warden character uh they're out there um you know with with the you know the raptor the guy that takes care of the raptor there's there's staff on the island that we see but you know we don't see many of them and then they're making reference to everyone's got to get on the boat you know you can't miss the boat uh, and i'm like where are those people you know i know they i think they do a good job at directing us towards how automated everything is supposed to be they're like oh you know we spared no uh, there's another quote for you spared no expense you know, Hammond says it all the time, and I think they do a good job at, you know, giving us those sights of uh, uh, them in the control room and how even when Lex is doing all the hacking, mm -hmm. like how automated this place is and like how ahead of the times that is just to have so many things automated. And maybe they don't have a lot of staff. <laughs> maybe not. I, yeah. Um, you know, but I do think that's why another reason this movie works is because we're just with a small group of characters so we can easily follow them. And I think that's the trap that Jurassic World, uh, those movies fall into that there's there's like too many, there's too many people scurrying around, you know, so I think that by seeing so many people that kind of diminishes the impact of the actual dinosaurs. And I think because we are on such a small group of people, we're more focused on them. So we care a little bit more about, you know, their fates. Uh, and so, but um, we, we talked about, so we hit on a couple of some of our favorite scenes, uh, that kitchen scene. Yes, well, definitely. I think the first time we see the T-Rex, just how everything plays out there, you know, with the, vibrating water you know to the to the <laughs> goat doesn't want to be fed t-rex wants to hunt yeah 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 the, the the goat uh and just but also how that turns into just the jeep and how it falls off uh you know the i don't know it's not a bridge but the the, the retaining wall i guess i don't know but uh yeah, one yeah. of those strange inconsistencies with the movie is when they pull up and we see that there is a flat surface out in the pasture and then uh later on we see that it is a very far drop to the ground <laughs> as the jeep is knocked over i've always tried to figure that one out as well <laughs> yes <laughs> i know um and then uh I, I don't know if you have any others but i mean when newman finally gets it you know that's uh that's always was like a big <laughs> big memorable scene in my head <laughs> uh when which one are you talking about oh, i'm sorry i called them newman but wayne Knight. Nedry? yeah Nedry. Nedry. yeah i'm a big oh yeah, yeah. When the office course gets him i I'm think a, that is uh 
you know, he's he's racing to get on the boat with the. Uh, I think if there could be like a uh, iconic prop of the movie, it's the uh, stock, the shaving cream with the. Mm-hmm. You got all the vials of DNA in it, you know, and uh, he he wrecks and gets pretty much the exactly what was coming to him uh, for his attempt at poor corporate sabotage. Uh, you know, he it, it, it's the whole you know life finds a way and it, it does, you know, there's other, that's the great quote as well. Life finds a way. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing, uh, I apologize to our listeners, but this is showing the age gap a little bit. I guess you weren't the biggest Seinfeld fan that I uh, referenced Newman. I have, see, here's another hot take. This is just going to be like great tie over the coals. When people hear this, it's like uh, Seinfeld couldn't get behind it office. I don't know, man. Couldn't get behind it. I know. Uh, I just use, yeah, you're like, I'm losing viewers as we go. I'm losing listeners. I know, man, but Hey, there are those of us out there who are just built differently. It, you might be a one-time guest. Hi, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Movie musings. What's your favorite dinosaur? My favorite dinosaur is the Velociraptor because of this movie. Anyone who is a fan of Velociraptors because of Blue and the new uh, trilogy, uh, no, that is not how the Velociraptors inspired the respect and fear that we all came to enjoy from the first movie. Uh, like you said, with the opening scene, uh, shoot, uh, you know, we didn't know that's a Velociraptor at that point, but then later we realized, like, oh, uh, on this island, there might be a T-Rex, but there are also Velociraptors, and they might be the smartest. Uh, when Dr. Grant's describing them in the very first you know, few scenes, uh, when he's describing the resonance chamber uh, and how they communicate and things like that, uh, it just, you know, for someone who had that nerdy science love as a kid, that, that was it for me. I was like, Velociraptors can communicate. I like it. I was like, that's, they're, they're smarter than everyone else. I like it. Uh, they know how to, they're six foot turkeys that eviscerate things. I like it. I'm in. So I think that was, uh, that was always there for me for sure. What about you? What was your favorite dinosaur from the movie? Oh, uh, well, I, I wasn't saying so much for the movie. I, I didn't know, uh, that, that makes complete sense. Like the Velociraptor, cause I, I might be wrong here, but the concept of the Velociraptor was, I just remember now, maybe I wasn't paying much attention, but you never really growing up until this movie and classes heard much about the Velociraptor. I mean, it was definitely the T-Rex was always the one that got the, you know, main billing, you know, and, uh, you know, Triceratops and you heard all those. And this movie really, I think, introduced the Velociraptor to a lot of people. I mean, NBA team got <laughs> named after it, you know? Uh, and so, uh, yeah, like I, I probably wasn't a huge, uh, uh, you know, uh, dinosaur fan, but, um, the T-Rex definitely, uh, I, I think appealed, appealed to me as a young boy, a really, really quick side note. You may not have been there before, but have you happened to visit the Perot museum in Dallas? I have not. No. Okay. So it's like, it's a, you know, a children's science museum, but they have this uh, area and it's a track where you can, there's a screen along the wall and so you get to race like different, you know, the fastest runner in the world. You get to time your speed with them. But oh. one, of, one of them is you race a T-Rex. It's pretty cool. If you stand still, did it stop running? No, 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 no. Oh, do we think the visual acuity really was if you didn't move? The T-Rex couldn't see you. I don't know. I don't How know. Did we know. I don't know. That's a great science fact. They just threw in there and we're like, you're all going to believe this now because we put it in a movie. Yeah. We pretty, said, yeah, we are. 
Yep, yep, we're in. <laughs> okay. um, uh, what, what's one of your favorite Steven Spielberg films? I mean, to me, this was it. Uh, Jaws, mm. secretly, because yeah. besides Jurassic Park, I think Jaws was probably the one I've seen the most. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was one of my grandma's favorite movies, surprising fact. They love Jaws. I think they were a little bit, you know, they were old, so uh, they had seen some of those movies. So we watched that growing up, too. Uh, E.T. kind of creeped me out. Uh, I, I was more scared of E.T. than I was Jurassic Park, uh, 100%. I could never understand why uh, the ratings weren't flipped uh, because I don't know. E.T., he, he was just he was a little creepy to me. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, amazing director. He's made a lot of great films. Honestly, a lot of his uh, more recent films have been really good. I, I love The Fablemans. Uh, West Side Story was really, really good. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, Jaws is probably it, – it's one of my favorites of his for sure. But I, I will say I, I watched it not too terribly long ago, but it had been a while. But I saw Schindler's List, and I know it's yeah. a hard it's a hard movie to you know get in the you kind of have to be in the right frame of mind. But man, I was I I was pretty taken away with it. Like I mean, it definitely it definitely holds up, and um, also because it was shot in that black and white cinematography, it's also something that really uh, feels like it could have been made today. I mean, a, a gorgeous film, but uh, super powerful. But I was really, I, I urge people that if they, they've been, it's, if it's been a while since you've seen it, um, I, I think you should check it out. So anyway, um, but yeah, uh, just make sure you're kind of in the right mood for it because <laughs> it's oh, definitely, yeah. definitely a heavy film. So um, the third question I have for you, um, and I have this, the, this little fact written down because I, I thought it was interesting, but uh, the film was backed by an extensive $65 million marketing campaign, which included licensing deals with over 100 companies. And so, I, I mean, I I completely remember this because I want to say I probably had a hat uh, with the Jurassic Park logo on it, but I, I, I think still is probably one of the best uh, not even just a logo in a movie that's been designed before, but one of the most effective like logos and fonts like probably ever created. But I was wondering if you have ever been won, won over by a marketing campaign for a movie, uh, something like this. It, like basically, have you ever been suckered into buying merch <laughs> for for a movie? Oh yeah, and this one is the perfect example because of like you said, it was it's so iconic, so iconic the fact that. They had, you know, like all this marketing campaign with Hasbro making the toys. Uh, they still are making toys. They're yeah. still making shirts. You go to the store, you'll see a, a Jurassic Park shirt, you know, with the OG logo on it. And, and I I remember being a kid and wanting the pillowcases. I, I wanted the uh, the toys. I wanted the they put them on sports equipment, I, like Velociraptor shoes, like everything. They this movie to me was one of those that was like so well marketed that probably lends to the fact while they keep just beating it into the ground and keep bringing up uh, different iterations or variations of, uh, of the movie. But uh, this, this one really was, you know, I, I growing up, I, you knew everyone else had the, had the Raptor light up shoes or uh, all those, all the cool pieces of marketing that they just, man, they just slipped right into our clever, uh, a little minds and got they got us hooked for life pretty much and it, and it worked and it, it worked so well uh i i can't think of any other movie that i probably went that far into uh with actually purchasing merch or purchasing uh things uh than jurassic park actually yeah i can't yeah that's it 
uh, this probably happened not too long ago. It was here in Oklahoma, but I was driving around and like somebody has like a Jeep and they, yes. it. they have you seen it before? Yeah, it's a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, they yeah. have the Jeep Wrangler. I've seen it. Oh, yeah, that's Oklahoma for you. You drive around long enough, you'll see whatever you want to find. <laughs> Very true. Uh, well, do you have any final thoughts on this film? Uh, I, I think it's just a a great way if you if you don't want to jump into the movie theater yeah i mean i think this is just a, a great movie to pop on really like anytime um you know uh whitney watched most of this with me and uh she is not necessarily that likes uh these type of movies but i mean she was just like oh yeah yeah this scene and this scene yeah, like she, she couldn't stop talking about it so I, I do think it's a film that can appeal to all ages yeah, my uh, just some final thoughts that I have on it are uh, I'm surprisingly a reader as well. And so I will always advocate read the book. Uh, if you enjoy the movie, read the book. There's some I'm not going to give them away because I don't want to. But there's some really key differences that make uh, make it really interesting in the book. Um, a lot of those key differences are surprisingly are addressed in uh, the, the movie sequel. Uh, they actually do throw in some of those key differences from the first book that they left out. Uh, but just uh, give the book a chance. Reading is fun. John Hammond's portrayal, I think, just legendary. Uh, the Attenborough brothers in general being having that connection to the environment. We've all heard the, the documentaries uh, of I think they were fantastic in what they did. Uh, I know he is no longer with us, but he he. He was such a he was that grandpa. He he was that grandpa role that I would always remember. Um, this movie as a point for Samuel L. Jackson to just just remain relevant and just continue his streak of just dropping bombs and doing being Samuel L. Jackson. Whether that not that's in a background role or or whatever. Um, just overall the th the themes of the movie. Life finds a way. Um, people, uh, you know interfering with nature then nature's gonna win that's always gonna be something that i'm a big fan of as somebody who loves nature and would always pick uh the world the natural world over the man-made world uh i i just always will resonate with the fact that this movie did it went so far as to you know really instill into little kids at the time like hey you know life will find a way things will be all right nature will work its way out uh, and that no, no matter what humans try to do, uh, life finds a way. Very well said. And a little uh, uh, Attenborough uh, trivia for you. So uh, I think it was back in October, but we covered the movie Gandhi. And, you know, so watching that movie, I started looking up the director. Oh, and, I, and I was yeah, Cameron over. And uh, anyway, uh, Attenborough directed Gandhi which I was like, oh, because I just had always known him as John Hammond, you know, and so a uh, funny little kind of fact was that Gandhi that year beat out E.T. for Best Picture, so a little trivia there for you. Didn't know that, but not surprised. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to recommend? Anything that you're like watching or listening to or anything like that? Woo! Oh man, here's here's the here's the Tyler doesn't get to be back, but uh, I'm this is you know just a secret plug for anime. Uh, I probably never had this plugged on your podcast. This is gonna get edited out for sure. Uh, but I'm currently watching Naruto. Uh, I've never been a big anime fan, but I was recommended some of that, 
And so if you're someone who uh, ever just liked, uh, you know, I was a kid who grew up with like Dragon Ball Z and didn't realize it was anime. And so recently I've, I've been watching some Naruto, to be honest. Uh, don't uh, judge me too hard or uh, place me too far down in your minds for those listening. Uh, I also do like good things as well. Uh, I I have this uh, terrible thing where if a lot of people like it, my brain just says don't like it a lot of times. So things like Yellowstone, I could I watched one episode and I was like, this is dumb. I can't get into this. Uh, I did watch, you know, I watched some of those classics, you know, like Ozarks on Netflix. That was that was phenomenal. I was a big fan of that. Um, but yeah, I would I would just encourage people to uh, get outside, get outside their comfort zone. Uh, watch something, you know, try, you know, go back into Nathan's history of his podcast, find a movie that you haven't seen before. Uh, and you're like, oh, I never thought I'd like this kind of movie. Give it a try. Try to expand those horizons a little bit. And don't hate me for liking anime. So I was kind of kidding about uh, not having to come back. But now, <laughs> <laughs> no. um, so I guess for my recommendations, I need to recommend Yellowstone and The Office and Friends <laughs> and Seinfeld. <laughs> no, uh, well, uh, you know, honestly, we I, I've been watching, I mean, May's busy time. So I haven't had time to watch a lot of stuff. We're kind of behind on some things. But I wanted uh, just kind of especially you know uh, you work with the why but recently i was on monday morning joe with joe kendrick uh, which is a podcast he does for the why and we talked about one flew over the cuckoo's nest so i'm being totally you know i'm just uh i'm basically just marketing myself here but uh, that was really fun to be a guest on that um but also you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest is one of my favorite movies and so it just reminded me like, oh, more people, I need to make sure more people have seen that movie. So that's my recommendation. It's uh, streaming right now on Max, but also, uh, yeah, uh, I'll put a link uh, in the episode page of our website uh, to that podcast, but you can also find Monday Morning Joe uh, on Spotify. But yeah, take a, take a listen uh, to that. And uh, um, Ty, I think you would, have you seen that movie? Yeah. Do you want to take a guess at my answer to that? Okay. <laughs> yeah no i know it's hitchcock but yeah right right yeah no it's, it's, it's no? not no it's not hitchcock what? no whoa oh see i tried that's birds right that, that yeah birds, that's birds, that, that yeah. in common you know flew over cuckoos <laughs> birds yeah no i'm one of those people who is like i know what i know and i know what i don't know Hey, 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 that's not, that's, that is definitely not a bad thing. So, <laughs> um, well, uh, next week we'll be jumping back into the 50 greatest rom-coms list. Uh, we, at the time of this recording of this episode, it's a little earlier than I normally do. So I don't have the exact movie right now that we'll be covering, but make sure to follow us on social media where we're always teasing the upcoming episodes. So you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a YouTube page if you'd like to, if you'd like to stream this episode on your computer or on your smart TV, but we'll be putting it out there. What movies we're covering. I got pretty much the summer schedule lined up. So we'll be hitting a lot of fun movies. And as always check out movies for episode reviews and more. If you love this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. This really helps with us finding. New <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This really helps with us finding new listeners. Uh, Ty, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I, this was a lot of fun. I, I love talking to people about these type of movies because I mean your infection for this film really shines through so uh, th thanks for uh, watching it again and jumping on this podcast yep no problem I'm glad you uh, got a chance to watch it even though you were falling asleep during I'm glad Whitney was invested 
Uh, but <laughs> oh, did you see? Did you get, did you tell you the story? So, maybe. Ah, yeah. So I, I just have a very strict like, because if I don't do this, like midnight is my cutoff time. Because I just, if not, like I could have kept watching this movie, and she got mad at me that I turned it off. Uh, but I was like, it's almost midnight, and this movie has an hour left. Like, and so oh. she, she was pretty mad because she was pretty rubbed up from all the intense scenes and stuff <laughs> thanks uh thanks for uh throwing me underneath the bus about that with whitney but <laughs> but um thanks again to everybody for listening and i hope everyone has a wonderful summer